Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Dr. Stacy Bell, and I'll be your guest host for this special edition of SoundBites. Part of my role as the National Psoriasis Foundation's Chief Scientific and Medical Officer includes addressing and promoting collaborative care which can consist of a variety of healthcare specialties on behalf of patients with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. One of these specialties includes podiatry. I'm here with podiatrist and foot and ankle surgeon, Dr. Matthew Payden, to discuss issues related to psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis, and foot care. Dr. Payden is the president and CEO of Rocky Mountain Foot and Ankle Center in Wheat Ridge, Colorado, where he also has a clinical practice. Dr. Payton offers a comprehensive range of podiatry services, such as general treatment for onycholysis or nail disease, gout, emphysitis, heel pain, reconstructive and elective foot surgery, and more. He's the co-founder of Highlands Foot and Ankle Institute and is former president of the Colorado Podiatric Medical Association. I'm honored to offer an opportunity for Dr. Payton to share his vast knowledge about diseases and care of the feet in relation to psoriatic disease. Welcome, Dr. Payton. I'm very fortunate to know what an amazing podiatrist you are through your care for not only myself, but my family. And we're so fortunate to have you here today. It's a pleasure having you on our Soundbites episode to talk to our patients about the importance of foot care. To start our discussion, from your perspective as a podiatrist, what foot care issues do you typically see in people with psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis? Thank you for allowing me to speak on this. Typically, what I see with patients with psoriasis is patchy lesions that often are quite tender and itchy, and they're located on the arch of the foot most commonly, and they often have been mistreated as dry skin, and often they haven't been diagnosed. They come into me complaining of these lesions and looking for help In our office, it is important for us to try to identify, is this psoriasis, is it dermatitis, is it a type of athlete's foot? There are some clinical clues that help us along with a history from the patient regarding if they have similar type lesions on their elbows or their knees or their scalp. And have they had this in the past? Have they seen a dermatologist or have they seen their primary care? And what kind of treatments have been initiated? How's the pattern? Whereas the psoriasis often has more of a well-defined border and the dermatitis a little less defined, but sometimes it can be difficult to differentiate the two in certain cases. And Often it requires a biopsy to identify or differentiate the two. And that is something that can be done in a podiatric office or a dermatology office. When it comes to psoriatic arthritis, a lot of my patients will think they just have Achilles tendonitis. It's sore at the Achilles tendon. 
but it's often much more severe with folks with psoriatic arthritis than the typical Achilles tendon pain that we see. A lot more swelling, a lot more tenderness at the touch, great difficulty and ability to wear a shoe, do daily activities. There's significant amount of stiffness, especially in the morning when they get up and they just often don't respond to the types of treatments that they see for Achilles tendonitis on the internet and they really need specialized care. So if someone would come to you with blisters or cracking or even bleeding on the soles of their feet, maybe indicative of palmar plantar psoriasis or some of the other symptoms you mentioned, like with Achilles tendons, what treatment, next steps, or foot care tips would you offer to help not only alleviate the pain, but also the symptoms of the condition? Yes. A lot of times when they come in, we do a number of different treatments depending on the severity. I have often found when patients have a majority of their arch involved and it's really deep cracks and splits. A lot of times they can have uh, low-grade secondary bacterial infection going on at the same time. And my first goal is to try to calm down the discomfort, try to get them to stop scratching it. And there's a number of techniques that we use. One of the things that I like to use is a technique that's been around forever. It's called the Unaboot Wrap. And it basically is a a zinc oxide wrap that goes over the foot and ankle. And I get them in that along with a surgical shoe. And I do that treatment primarily to get them set up so that in an, in after wearing that for a week, it makes it much easier for the patient when I trim the, the excess of scaling and decrease the amount of callus and crack and fissure formation on subsequent visits. Now, the, that wrap typically doesn't resolve psoriasis itself, but it gives me a good base start to get the plaques down, the hyperkeratosis down, so that then we can switch to some uh, steroid treatment to really calm down the discomfort as well as the itching component to it. And as I see these folks and I've done my techniques such as this and they're not responding, that's when I really encourage them to get into dermatologists to help me out with treating their condition. To switch gears to, again, the psoriatic arthritis, a lot of times I can really help folks out with getting them started with some early stretching activities, shoe gear information, as well as trying to control the mechanical aspect of these arthritic conditions. But one of the most important thing is I can help them with identifying when it comes to like a swollen toe, is this an injury process? Is it psoriatic arthritis? Is it gout? What the heck is causing this toe to remain swollen and painful? And begin the process of trying to identify what the underlying pathology is. So as we all know, it's a difficult area to keep clean, right? Your feet, you're constantly on them. You're constantly interfacing your feet with different parts of your world. And pain can also be a big factor because your body weight is resting on your feet, and it can really impede participating in everyday activities. Any helpful suggestions about hygiene and also pain reduction? Absolutely. Going to like difficulty in cleaning your feet. One of the really big problems I see is in our geriatric population. They have simple things that we take for granted that is difficult as we age is getting to your feet 
or having somebody get to your feet to help clean your feet and also to, to moisturize your feet with a good lotion. And that is a big issue that is challenging to address. In terms of the pain and activity, I go back to the importance of the type of shoes that they're wearing, how old is the shoe, and what kind of support do you need? An individual with a perfectly designed foot does not need to worry so much about the foot shoe or, or the shoe type, but that's very rare. Most individuals, as we move along, even if we have a fairly normal foot type, due to the effects of weight, age, and dealing with gravity, we start developing abnormal motion in the foot, which puts increased strain on the ligaments, such as the plantar fascia, puts strain on other tendons, such as the Achilles tendon, a couple of other tendons like the uh, peroneus brevis tendon, and posterior tibial tendon, all of these can get inflamed. All of them can be helped with biomechanical control, either good over-the-counter arch supports, but good shoes, sometimes custom orthotics. As far as dealing with daily pain, also doing stretching exercises and doing exercises that can get their heart rate up without causing too much impact and pounding. So a lot of times when patients are having an area that is quite inflamed and injured, and they're persistent with trying to continue that activity, sometimes we have to modify that activity. Maybe get them off the treadmill and onto a stationary bike or an elliptical machine could make a big difference until they can get that area calmed down and get back to their normal activity. Are there any special considerations for individuals with palmar plantar pustulosis where the pustules could again impact these daily activities or even putting their shoes on in the morning? The, the pustule formation with psoriasis is usually much more severe condition. And a lot of these folks have difficulties putting the sock on. This, as they're putting on a sock, it can, it can catch a flake and, and cause rip of the skin. And so it's really important to try to decrease the size of the plaques. That can be done. If it's very mild, that can be done by using a pumice stone. But a lot of times, patients really need the expertise of dermatologists or podiatrists to be able to trim down these lesions to get them better controlled and initiate the treatment so that we can start to repair the damaged skin. A lot of my patients, until we can get those plaques better controlled, they're not going to be able to put on sock without discomfort. And that's that's where I kind of go back to my regimen of trying to hydrate the foot, debride the lesion, and then usually that gets them to the point where they can start doing simple daily tasks, getting their sock on without great discomfort. So we know that nail disease is quite common in people with psoriasis. Can you please explain the difference between a fungal infection of the toenails versus nail psoriasis and maybe how each of these diseases would typically present? There are some differences between fungal infection of the nail psoriasis of the nail and something that we call dystrophic nail. Often patients have been misdiagnosed as having a fungus infection of the nail when it's commonly not. There are a few clinical clues that differentiate a fungus toenail from nail that's involved with psoriasis. One, a nail with psoriasis, often the patient will have a history of psoriasis and there's a little bit of difference in how it looks. 
there's a characteristic that we see with psoriatic nails where there is little tiny pits, look like little tiny bombshells in the, uh, in the nail. We don't typically see that with a fungus type nail. And also with the psoriatic nail, we often see a little bit more lifting of the nail off the nail bed that's called onycholysis. And this is a little bit more common with psoriatic nail, whereas fungus nails, the nails are usually a little bit thicker. There's more of a yellow appearance to them. Then it gets difficult because there's a lot of individuals that will have just traumatized nails from wear and tear from pressure of shoes from years that caused the nails to change their shape. And then there's the difficulty in the fact that sometimes you can have all three. You can have some fungus, psoriatic nail, and dystrophic nail. And let me explain. Once, if an individual has a psoriatic nail problem, they have trauma to the nail bed. The fungus looks for an opportunity to get a foothold in there. Once that happens, it's difficult. You have to differentiate between the two. And then once somebody has had psoriatic nail disease for a while or fungus nail disease for a while, even if you take care of the psoriatic condition or the fungal condition, the nail can be permanently damaged because of scarring in the nail bed. And the nail bed is the soft tissue under the what we call the nail plate. And if there's damage to the nail bed, even if you solve the other problems, there's always going to be abnormal shape of the nail. There are some tests that we can do that helps us differentiate between psoriatic and fungal nails. And that's often done by taking a piece of the nail and we send it to labs and they can do some tests to look actually to see if there's organisms within the nail or hyphae. There is a stain that they can do that elucidates whether or not there is a fungus there, and then finally, a culture. The only problem with those tests is that they do come about with a number of false negatives. So you have to also rely on your experience and remaining history and other findings to try to come up with the correct diagnosis and treatment. And going back to what treatments do I use, I can use steroids, and there's some other nail lacquers that, that can thin the nail, soften the nail, and make the nail look better. But I often find those don't work so well in resolving the problem. And if the patient's nails are significantly involved with the psoriatic disorder, again, that's where I, I need the help of a dermatologist because sometimes to get these folks better and often they'll have fingernail involvement as well, they need to go on more specialized medications, such as the DMARDs or even biologics for that. For the fungus toenails, there's a lot of information out there. In my experience, the fungus toenails also don't respond too well to topical treatments. And so we're left with a lot of individuals that we just, they just manage the nail, but there is medication that is fairly effective for treatment of the fungus and it is a medication that has side effects, and we have to be careful of the liver function of that medication, but it's fairly well tolerated and has a 70 to 75% success rate. And then there's some individuals that they just have a very deformed nail because of the fungus, and we just sometimes offer permanent removal of the nail for those folks. About a third of the people with psoriasis also go on to develop psoriatic arthritis. One of the hallmarks of psoriatic arthritis is emphysitis and often associated heel pain. 
What do you typically do to assess patients? And what tips can you offer to address pain associated with emphysitis? Yes, as you mentioned, uh, folks that have psoriasis can develop the psoriatic arthritis. And the distinguishing features of this is the increased amount of swelling that we see. It can affect your toes. And typically, this affects the lesser digits. It causes the digits to get quite swollen, tender to the touch, stiff, difficult to move. And then folks with psoriatic arthritis can also develop significant pain, swelling, and redness at the attachment of the Achilles tendon in the heel or on the bottom of the heel where the plantar fascia attaches. And this needs to be distinguished between the more common forms of Achilles tendon pain or plantar fascial pain that we see that is just purely mechanical and overuse type injury as opposed to part of a a, a disease process that makes it a little bit more challenging to treat and to get well. So back when I was a younger woman and was a competitive runner, I very painfully discovered plantar fasciitis and how it impacted me. And you mentioned just a moment ago that that was typically mechanical. How does this relate to the emphysitis and psoriatic arthritis in how it impacts the patient on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, uh, again, there's no reason you can't have both mechanical or overuse injury and psoriatic arthritis influences at the same time. And a lot of times I kind of recognize the individuals that have a psoriatic component to this when they don't typically respond to my initial treatments. So most patients with plantar fasciitis respond quite well to appropriate shoe gear, avoiding barefoot, stretching of the Achilles, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, corticosteroid injections. And in my practice, one of the best is is orthotics or custom-made art supports. A lot of times when these folks have a little bit more swelling and tenderness than you expect, or they don't respond to the typical treatments that most of the mechanical induced problems, we have to start really analyzing, is this the normal type of plantar fasciitis, or is this associated with the psoriatic arthritis? And it is in a busy practice, it is common to do a cookie cutter approach. And sometimes we have to take a back step and say, wait a second, this isn't responding. Let's go back to the history. What else could be going on? And then a lot of times when it gets in that realm, that's where I really need the help of a rheumatologist to help with this inflammation and this pain. And that's a common way I refer to rheumatologists, especially with heel pain and enthesitis. Usually a little bit quicker to refer a rheumatologist when I have a single digit that's inflamed because I usually go more quickly to an arthritis profile, rule out, and I also get x-rays. The x-rays rule out trauma, tumor, and can help me differentiate between gout or psoriatic arthritis, but a lot of times I need laboratory workups. But as soon as I see something that just doesn't seem right, that's the time to get help with rheumatology. We often hear from our patient community that gout has been confused with their psoriatic arthritis. People can also have both diseases at the same time. So what are the key differences between gout and psoriatic arthritis, and how do you treat gout? It can be confusing between 
psoriatic arthritis and gout, especially when it is, they can look very similar. Let's take a common scenario. I can see an individual that has a fairly acute onset of swelling, tenderness of a lesser digit, like the third or fourth toe. In general, gout affects the great toe the majority of the time. I have personally not seen psoriatic arthritis in the great toe. It doesn't mean it can't be there. Uh, I just haven't seen it. Whereas I see three patients a day with red, hot, swollen, great toe joint. Gout can not only go there, it can go to other areas. And the way we help identify the difference is often by history. Obviously, if the patient has history of psoriatic patches on their elbows or knees, you have to start thinking in terms of, could this be psoriatic arthritis? If they don't have that history, you have to get an idea of, have they had this type of problem before? Have they had a family history of gouty arthritis? With my gouty arthritic patients, I always get a baseline uric acid. That, if it's high, to me, confirms the diagnosis. The definitive diagnosis of gout is a joint aspirate and seen crystals. But anytime I try to come to one of my patients with an 18 gauge needle on a red hot swollen big toe joint, they're not too happy with me. And it's difficult to get a joint aspirate in a small joint like that. And with the lesser digits, it's very difficult to do. So we go by history. We got some lab tests that we can do that often helps differentiate the two. My treatment for gout kind of depends on the patient's past medical history. I often find a course of oral steroids as one of the quickest ways to improve that. When they're resistant to that, I often use corticosteroid injection. Sometimes we have to use other medications if folks have difficulty, such as diabetic folks. We are cautious in putting them on steroids if we can avoid it. Folks that have kidney pathology, we try to avoid non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, and there's, there's ways around trying to help these folks out. Again, with the psoriatic arthritis, I have done corticosteroid injections, which often can provide relief. I've also done oral steroids, but to preserve the joint, if I really suspect that this is psoriatic arthritis, again, I need to get them into the rheumatologist to, to get them on medication to stop the joint destructive damage. What general foot care tips can you provide for our listeners to help them address some of these foot issues we've discussed today? So one of the first things is keep your feet clean, keep your feet moisturized. Make sure that if you tend to sweat more, you might want to think about changing your socks or different kinds of socks. A lot of times people do better with a smart wool blend sock that wicks the moisture away from the feet. And Avoid barefoot, especially on hard floors. That can greatly reduce overuse injury and pain. And I am a big fan of wearing a good supportive shoes. If needed, kind of add to that with arch supports or orthotics, but also make sure that you're wearing the appropriate size shoe. So I often recommend to my patients to get into a store where they specialize a little bit and actually measure the foot, give individuals ideas of what shoes would be better for them, especially with folks that might not have the average type foot and they have some toe deformities or hammer toes so that the 
They're not trying to get their foot into a, a shoe that's too tight, too narrow. We often think about the length of our shoe or the width of the shoe, but rarely do we think of the depth of the shoe. All these things can, can help. And then to tell folks that if they have a, an area of their foot that's red and scaly and it's not going away, make sure they get into the primary care physician or a podiatrist or a dermatologist before it gets out of control. And that's a good lead into my final question. When should someone consider being referred to a podiatrist such as yourself or talk to their primary care doctor or their dermatologist about doing so? Yeah, I think when they have a rash on their foot, so to speak, and it's not the typical thing, it's been there for a while, and it's becoming more painful, especially if they start getting cracking in the heels or other areas of the foot where there can be bleeding and significant discomfort. That's when they really need to get into their primary care or directly to a podiatry or dermatology. I would say I see more patients from my primary care physicians, just like in my practice, a good primary care physician is going to have a team of experts out there. And the really good primary care docs often will initiate treatment, but when they're, they need a little bit more specialty, that's when they refer to us. I think one of the things that I can do is help in terms of the dermatologic care is trimming of the nails and trimming of the calluses and the plaques to make the patient more comfortable. Sometimes I can help with the diagnosis with doing a biopsy and being an individual that can give treatment for minor to moderate psoriatic pathology. But when it gets more significant, that's where they really need the dermatologist. And then back to the psoriatic arthritis, again, much of that is also dependent on mechanics and how the design of their foot and the external forces and how much of this is being affected by what kind of shoes they wear. Are they wearing shoes? Weight gain, age, all affects the mechanics of the foot. And that can often be helped with exercise programs, appropriate shoe gear. Behavioral changes, such as not going barefoot on hardwood floors, and then also getting individuals into physical therapy to help them decrease their pain and swelling and get them more active and better lifestyle. Well, and I think I'll be the first to say that I think we all take for granted how important foot care really is. And, and if you do start having issues with your feet, what an impact it can make. As Dr. Payden knows from my personal experience, I am fortunate I do not have psoriatic disease, but I do have celiac disease, and my podiatrist is actually who made the first diagnosis of that. So I've been very fortunate, and podiatry care has been a priority in my health care, and I feel so fortunate that we are able to have you here today and then share your knowledge and your experience with our patient community. Do you have any final comments you'd like to share with our listeners today? Don't think that it's just going to go away on its own. So one of the biggest things that I think a lot of folks can be busy in their daily activities, and it's like, I don't have time to get this fixed, but a lot of times getting that treatment can help prevent so many problems down the road. The old saying, ounce prevention is better than a pound of cure, and don't let it get to the point where it's drastically affecting your life. Seek help with your primary care dermatologist, rheumatologist, or podiatrist. 
Thank you, Dr. Payton, for providing such an amazing podcast about diseases and care of the feet, which is such an important topic. If you have questions about psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, please contact the NPF Patient Navigation Center for more information about this topic by email at education at psoriasis.org or by calling 1-800-723-9166, option one. You can also share your comments about this podcast by sending an email to podcast at psoriasis.org. We'd love to hear from you. And finally, Soundbites is supported by unrestricted educational grants from Amgen, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Janssen, Novartis, Pfizer, and UCB. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Soundbites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Soundbites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Ghana, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.